I have never had a pet owner regret euthanizing too early. I have had multiple pet owners regret euthanizing too late. One great thing that you and I share, weirdly, is that we both we both get to enjoy the fact that our vice president is not only African American yes. but Asian, and and that gets me to the question: Who do you who do you admire? Who are your heroes? So. I don't want to be boring, but I'm going to say my heroes are actually my parents. And as I get older, I really trust the wisdom of my parents. My parents were Chinese immigrants. They came here in the 60s and came here for education. So they came here for their master's and for for their graduate degrees. And just knowing that they came at a very tumultuous time in the civil rights era, and probably experienced a lot of microaggressions and a lot of racism. And I can't even imagine not even knowing the language, coming over, starting a new life, and trying to navigate and survive. So I always view them as extremely wise. Um, But I'm going to put my parents as uh, my mentor heroes. I I would agree with you a thousand percent that those are my heroes and very similar to you. You know, my parents both grew up in Alabama and both born in the 40s, grew up in the 50s and 60s. Jim Crow, uh, the civil rights fight. You know, my father marched on Selma and, and was spat upon, assaulted. And so then he and my mother meet. My mother grew up in actually in Tuskegee, which was kind of a little, uh, black haven where they didn't it was a such a black community they didn't deal with a lot of the colored versus white fountains and things like that and my mother didn't experience as much as my father did but then they got married moved to the west coast growing up and what i one of the reasons i consider them my heroes is that they brought all of that baggage from the south and went there and had to figure out how to raise my three sisters and me not hating you know basically not hating white people or uh, looking at them a particular way or behaving a certain way because they knew we were the world was getting better, so they hoped, and that we were going to have to figure out a way to maneuver and manipulate ourselves through that world and raised us to understand that we're not any better than anybody else and they're not better than us and we can do whatever we want to do. So I every day uh, praise my mother and father for, um, you know, my father giving me a certain sense of strength and my mother a sense of compassion that kind of helps me get through this as, as does my sisters. Um, and then I had a mentor, my first boss, Dr. Dan Nagola, who I wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for him. So Dr. Nagola. So one of the hardest parts of our job is that, um, can be a blessing, but is always heart tugging euthanasias. And I generally, people ask me, how do we do it? it's not really easy. And if it's something you ever get used to, then you probably need to find another profession. Um, Talk to me about what euthanasia means to you as a veterinarian and as a pet owner. So I actually feel that euthanasia is a gift that we have in veterinary medicine. Obviously, this is hotly debated in human medicine, but to be able to relieve suffering is one of our goals as veterinarians. We want to treat pain. We want to make sure to preserve quality of life. And so I always ask three questions when I consider counseling pet owners on when it's time to euthanize. I get 
asked that question every single day in the veterinary ER. And my general three questions are, one, does your dog or cat act like they're painful. Dogs and cats are going to show pain in very different ways. Dogs are going to be really clingy. They may shake or tremble. They may cry out in pain. Totally different from cats. Cats are going to have some behavioral change. They may go to hide. Um, They may have difficulty breathing. You know, they're going to show very different signs. So are they showing signs of pain? Second question that assesses quality of life, at least for me, is do they act like they used to even a year ago or as a puppy or kitten? If their favorite thing was playing with a tennis ball and they no longer want to play, if it's pain related, we veterinarians can often treat that with pain. But if it's not responding to the medications that we're using, um, that makes me worried about quality of life. The third question is, do they want to eat anymore? For a dog or cat to stop eating, for a couple of days, that's okay. But if they fail to eat, even with really delicious food, you're tempting them to eat filet mignon, you're tempting them to eat their favorite food, you're working with your veterinarian on appetite stimulants and they still don't want to eat, that to me is a big red flag. For me, I've done this quality of life talk, as I'm sure you have, thousands of times in your life. But what rocked my world was when I was on the other side of the table. When JP, my beloved first Pitbull that I ever had as an adult was diagnosed with a brain tumor. I had to bring him into the emergency room. And when I heard the neurologist say to me, JP's got a brain tumor, it rocked my world. Because I say that every single day to pet owners. I say, your dog is cancer, your cat is cancer. But once I was on the other side of the table, it just hit home. I ended up doing a lot for him. I drove him to Colorado State University. I spent the equivalent of what people spend on a car for radiation therapy and CTs and MRIs and chemotherapy, but I got 13 months with him and I needed that time. But the hard decision for me was when did his quality of life diminish where I as a vet and a dog owner had to make that decision to euthanize. I was shocked how much I struggled with it. I didn't want to make him suffer. I didn't want to, quote, drag it out. But at the same time, I really struggled with it, even when I had given this spiel or this talk to pet owners and counseled them so many times before. For me, it was question number two. Did JP act like he used to? We used to live by this big city park. And JP's favorite thing of the day was to always go for this 20-minute walk around this park. And in early July... 13 months after JP's diagnosis of a brain tumor, I had to really lure him to go outside for a walk. So we took whatever, you know, 50 feet out of the house. And all of a sudden he just gave me this look and started walking back home. Mm. And that rocked my world where I was just like, if JP doesn't want to go for a walk, his quality of life is poor. He doesn't want to do what he used to want to do. And within 24 hours, I made the decision to euthanize him at home I always tell pet owners, work with your veterinarian, ask questions. I have never had a pet owner regret euthanizing too early. I have had multiple pet owners regret euthanizing too late because they question if they should have ended the pain and suffering earlier. When in doubt, it's such a hard decision, and now I get it after what I battled with JP. 
but it is so peaceful. There are so many vets who will do it at your house in the comforts of a sunbeam, on your dog's favorite bed. There's medications that we can give orally at home just to relax them, to help minimize the stress. So when in doubt, obviously work with your veterinarian when it comes to this really hard decision. But again, I view it as a gift in veterinary medicine to be able to alleviate that pain and suffering. Well said. I, I, um, you know, I prefer to do them at home, you know, in, in their surroundings and, you know, with, and I tell clients, uh, when they're ready for that, if they, if I can do it, I can do it. I mean, I've gone to people's lake houses, you know, anywhere that's going to make it easier for them and the pet that I can get to in a reasonable amount of time. And one of the things I have done, um, over the years, I just tell, I said, get a calendar and, Mark each day as a good or a bad day. Any day that you feel like, is it time, is a bad day. If, you, if that comes in your mind, you got to put be, be there. When you have more good days than bad days over a period of time, then it's time. You know, that, that's a, a silent agreement you make with them when you bring them into your family that you're not going to let them suffer. And like you, like you touched on perfectly, there have been many more clients who have regretted waiting too long and, you know, and I tell them, they feel like they've been selfish. And I say, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do this. You, you get through it how you get through it. And, and my story, and I, I'm sure you share the stories with your clients, which help them understand that you understand better. Um, I had a Sky Terrier years ago named Elvis, and he was my companion, went to work with me, followed me around all day when I first opened my practices. And he, as he got older, had a degenerative neuropathy and got to a point where he couldn't walk. And I am the worst client. My poor wife is my veterinarian, and she was telling me it's time. I'm like, no, no, no. And you think you talk about things, you're number two. Does he still do the things they, they love to do? And one of the things he loved more than anything was going in the cat litter box. And out of desperation, I went into the cat litter box with a scoop and scooped up some poop and sat it in front of him, and I said, there you go, buddy. It's right there for you. And if and he just looked at it and he turned his nose. So I told my wife, I said, well, I think it's just that he likes the, um, the having to fight the to get it. He likes the hunt. He, and she's like, no, it's time. And um, I, we euthanized him at home. I stayed home for two days and cried like a baby. Uh, you know, um, it, it, it's hard all around. And, and it helped me understand what a lot of clients go through. Some of them who get angry with you and will say things to you they might not normally say. You have to take that in the context of which it's given. It's just, a, it's, it's, it is a blessing. It's a hard part of our job. But one of the things we get to do because, you know, sometimes I've, you know, even my grandfather, I wish he didn't, he had that kind of opportunity. I will say I also, for probably a month after putting JP to sleep, I had to really control not breaking down when I was performing euthanasia in the veterinary clinic because it really touched me how hard it is and how raw it is for that pet owner. You know, I've, I've, I'm glad you touched on that. I've, I've known veterinarians who, after their own experience, a young veterinarian who worked with me for a while, um, had, had a difficult time performing euthanasias for a while after that because of his experience. Uh, was that similar for you at all, or could you still do it? I could definitely do it because 
the way I euthanize, I'm extremely compassionate. I'm extremely empathetic. I'm scientifically detailed while being compassionate. So I can warn the owners of how quick it is, that their eyes are going to stay open, but that it's extremely peaceful and that it's an overdose of one or two of barbiturates or anesthetic drugs. So very peaceful, you know, experience as traumatic as it can be, right, for a pet owner to lose their pet, but also very comforting in knowing that you're spending that last few minutes with them. So for me, I'm still able to do it, but it really made me aware of how difficult the decision is, again, once I had to do it with JP. And then you think about us, as long as we've done this, you know, I had a patient not long ago, I did a home euthanasia on a dog named Kayla, a Weimariner. Um, great pet owners who I've, I've seen this dog since he was eight weeks old and now he was 16 and it was time. And, you know, I, I'd seen this family have babies and, uh, they were there. And, you know, I, when I went to do it, I, that's when it hit me that I'm going to miss Kayla. And like you just said, I mean, it hit me. Fran was actually there. My wife, Dr. Tyler, was there helping me, and I had to stop and pull back and uh, started uh, audibly crying with a mask on. And the owner, um, Marty, came over. He had to console me so I could finish the euthanasia. But, you know, it's, it's just as sad as it is, one of the most amazing things about this um, profession is the relationships not only with pets but the pet owners and and being a part of their family and being their family veterinarian let me let, let's touch on one more thing you have made a great course is it great courses yes yeah, so i created a great courses called vet school for everyone i'm obviously very passionate about educating dog and cat owners on how to be the best pet advocate for the four-legged family members. Because I've seen so many mistakes made in the veterinary ER, whether or not it's accidentally pilling your dog the wrong medication or having Easter lilies in the house to not picking up on signs of diabetes earlier to how to avoid trauma. And so I'm really excited. I just spent a week filming 24 30-minute courses on all aspects of pet ownership from Am I a dog person or a cat person to how do I pick a good breed? How do I pick a good breeder? Should I adopt instead or rescue to what should I feed my dog or cat to how many vaccines do I really need? Do I really need heartworm medication to some of the top cancers that dogs and cats get? My goal was really to help increase awareness of uh, pet education, because a lot of owners don't get that in the 15, 20 minutes in a veterinary appointment. And I want to make sure they had a credible source that they were going to. So I'm hoping it'll be a big hit. Again, great courses will hopefully come out within the next couple of months. Oh, I'm sure it will be a big hit. And I can't wait until that client comes in and I'm seeing them in the room and I tell them, you know, I think your dog has this. And they say, well... <laughs> I took Dr. Justine Lee's great course, and let me tell you what I think the problem is. Um, but, you know, I, I joke about that, but, you know, we deal with that now with Google. There are a lot of Google Docs out there, but it just makes us better. We have to be more on our toes. 25 years ago, you could tell somebody something, and they just had to take your word for it, but now they will call you on it. So it just, it just makes veterinarians better, as I'm sure this will it better. I, I will listen to it and certainly learn something because as we know, you are the smart, cute one and I'm the witty whimsical. <laughs> nonsense, nonsense. But um, that, that's wonderful. I'm proud of you. 
well done. Thank you for being here. Uh, anything else you want to add? No, when in doubt, you know, dog and cat ownership, it's 10 to 20 years. And I get asked as a vet all the time, oh, great, great, great. why don't pets live longer? And I have to say, as deeply bonded as we are to dogs and cats, imagine the, whole, the size of the hole in your heart if they live till 50 years. Like, we would be devastated. We wouldn't be able to recover from that. So when in doubt, I always tell people, be the best advocate for your dog and cat. Work with your veterinarian to keep your dog or cat as healthy as possible. And really enjoy and just cuddle up and love your four-legged friend right now just because our time with them is short and we should really spend as much quality time with them as we can and with our two-legged ones too. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this wisdom. Um, We'll have you back soon. Dr. Draper. You can't get rid of me. Always an honor to see you. Thanks for all that you do too. You got it.